0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to the latest episode of Taking Stock, the business podcast from the Yorkshire Post. It has been a couple of weeks since the last episode. I do seek your forgiveness and patience on that score. We've had a bank holiday in between, but we are back with a bang this week. Our guest is Rashmi Dubey. She is somebody Yorkshire Post readers will be familiar with in the sense that she writes a weekly column for us, but she's also a well known lawyer and speaker and mentor and a whole host of other incredibly important uh, things in the city of Leeds and the wider region of Yorkshire. It was absolutely tremendous to talk to her. I've known Rashmi for quite a long time. She's someone I've got a huge amount of personal regard for and we cover off a huge amount of information in this process from the economic recovery that's going to follow the um, global health crisis right the way through to things like playing the violin and how we interact with each other as uh, businesses and as human beings. I really enjoyed talking to her, and I hope that you will enjoy listening to what she has to say during our conversation, which will begin now. And we are live. How are you doing, Rashmi?
1: I'm very well, thank you, Mark, for inviting me on your show.
0: No, my absolute pleasure. It's great to have you on. So I think most people listening to this will know you as... Well, probably just through the Yorkshire Post platform, they'll be aware of you for your your weekly column, which is uh, gratefully received and well read um, on our website and in the paper. But uh, there's a fair bit more to you than that, isn't there? It's fair to say you wear quite a a number of hats of, uh, of, of, of varying styles. Do you want to just tell everyone a little bit about yourself?
1: yeah sure so over my sort of 25 year career or so i've built a portfolio of things um, so i'm a lawyer um, by profession and still practice as a lawyer and run a law firm called legatus law but i'm also um, a non-executive a turnaround expert uh which is obviously of the moment but also like you said i'm a freelance writer and have also written a business book, uh, speaker on diversity and inclusion and um, work with the Institute of Directors as a lobbyist uh, for policy and bringing changes, which has had its very important time at the moment trying to get businesses what they need.
0: And you've been a turnaround expert I mean it's almost in apart from maybe hand sanitizer manufacturers and a few other areas the, virtually every company large and small is going to have to go through some sort of turnaround process as we emerge from uh, this this health crisis which has changed everyone's lives um in 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 so many ways but. It's almost baffling, I guess, to start as to... It's going to vary sector by sector, of course, but it's almost baffling to start to think how we actually start this process because it's going to be very, very tough, but equally there's a huge amount of opportunity to do things better and do things in a totally different way.
1: I agree, and I think what, what it's interesting because um, I think it's a time when businesses need to be leaders as well so that they're fighting a lot of fires but they need to have that forethought of being leaders and changing the tone for the country really and not just for for regions and it's um and it's not going to be the larger, larger businesses i think it's going to be the smes yeah. that are going to really lead the growth um, and it's almost like an entrepreneurial movement that you that should be seen um the the larger corporates and the mid-size, um, all businesses are in turnaround, but they are, from my perspective, I think what they're doing is bringing in your traditional restructuring person or company and turning it around and making real knee-jerk reactions and they'll say it's not knee-jerk they'll say it's well thought through and they've looked at the excel spreadsheet um, and they will go straight for the first one which is job cuts because that's the easiest to do and it saves cash but actually look at who the advisors are are these restructuring people that have a hand in insolvency because that's all they know Um, uh they they'll try and turn the business around and have done they, some of them have done it but actually i don't think it should be restructuring especially for the sme i think it's from my perspective i call it pivoting yeah you need to restructure but you need to pivot as well because we're not going back to the norm and that's what people are misunderstanding, I think. If you if you pivot, like in sports, if you've got the netball or the basketball, and you pivot to turn, you've got a different viewpoint of somebody. Even in football, when you, you you're aiming straight down to for goal, but if you just turn slightly, and you see a gap. You'll pass it to to one of your teammates, and then they'll score for you. Um, so what it is is really the, the restructuring is small things, I think, like. Um, If you're a small supplier and you would not be able to supply a larger company, do a joint venture with another supplier who's your competitor. And then together you both supply that larger corporate and you're in that chain then. And you've changed how you're operating and actually maybe saving jobs and employing more people, even if it's just one or two people more. So it's it's an interesting time for restructuring. I just think we have new horizons um, that we're just not exploring really.
0: It's interesting to hear you make that point on jobs because you know we're seeing it in in droves with you know very large employers the you know the Rolls-Royces I'm not picking on them specifically but you know a lot of very very large employers are are, are announcing some pretty eye water and job cuts but <clears throat> it's made me thought a, a number of times about um interviews that I've done with companies and they've been going through their sort of period at the at the company and they'll always say that the the financial crisis uh, of 08 and 09 was the biggest challenge they faced almost to a man and a woman they'll almost cite that as the biggest um, obstacle they faced but it's very interesting i thought about this a great deal a great many of them said that they were under a lot of pressures to cut costs and they did consider redundancies and they didn't do it and because they didn't do that and they had the personnel and the expertise in when the economy started to rebound and recover they were in a much much better place to actually do that and thrive from it. And uh, they've all said in those situations, those businesses and those leaders that said they didn't go down the job cuts route that we wouldn't be as successful and as profitable and grown as we have done had we gone down the route of getting rid of people because we viewed it at the time as being short-termist and we were proven right.
1: I agree with that 100%. From experience, getting rid of a team or an aspect of a team that is aware of the company culturally, aware of the processes and you are aware as, as the employer or as the management team, you're aware of their capabilities and you, and their strengths. So you can, you can maneuver them into different positions as you're coming out of the, um, out of the recession, but to find people that takes time. And then once you found them, it then takes more time to embed them into your processes and culture. And it's both because for them to work efficiently, Um, You you need them embedded in in the culture and in in the processes. And it's interesting because a lot of the businesses that are cutting it, cutting the jobs, they're saying, well, we can't see how we're going to be using them in the future um, or what what the demand is going to be. But actually, I don't think we all, anyone knows what the demand is going to be in the future. But what we need to be doing is something like future thinking and think, right, where can we go? As opposed to just seeing right in front of our face and saying, "Right, this is what the wall is," and, and, and it's, it's again, it's that fear of we haven't got enough cash, how are we going to survive? But we, you need to think tank separately, um, and this is part of that turnaround or uh, restructuring specialist. And I, I don't like the word restructuring necessarily on this, but um, to to allow that forward thinking to say, right. And it's like the hand sanitizers we mentioned earlier. We, you know, You've got companies that were making gin. They're making hand sanitizers now. They've had that forward thought. This is what we need. But while they're making the hand sanitizers, they need to be thinking about what they will be doing when the hand sanitizers are not required anymore. Are they going to go back to gin or are they going to go back to something else? And what else can they do? And what's interesting, the turnaround word phrase has actually come from... The um, oil refineries. So where they're pumping oil and they're making money, it, it's all good. But every year they have to close the refinery down for a weekend for service maintenance and all sorts of things. And that's why it's called a turnaround because they're not making money, but also they're having to main t- do maintenance and things. But that's when the companies come up with their best solutions, they say, of how to make more money when they start again.
0: It's, it's just a really interesting process that we shouldn't react. We should be thinking. That's a really you're taking me to school here, Ashmi. I had no idea about the the genesis of that phrase. I just assumed it was a sort of straightforward uh, use of figurative language. But I, I think you're definitely right. I think if you um if you've already built and maintained and ran a successful business, then you'll be able to do it again. But I, I can't see the vast majority, particularly in the SME sector and those. Um, businesses whose market cap doesn't run into the hundreds of millions of pounds the the, the those businesses are going to have to do things so differently and I think going forward coming out of this I think consumer behaviour is going to be very very different I think the demand for the experience economy will probably be higher than ever but I, I fear for the, and I, I use this phrase with all due respect, but the sort of throwaway um, um, and transitory and not built to last aspects of the economy, whether that's in retail or elsewhere, may struggle a little bit. I think with having people having not spent any money on anything particularly for a few weeks is, is really going to make people analyse how they spend their cash. And I, I, I hear it from everyone I speak to professionally and personally, I should say. Um, yeah I've not been buying anything the only thing I hear people saying they've been buying is more alcohol um, more ice cream um, and kind of stuff to do at the house you know it's everyone's kind of really turned their, their gaze inward and suddenly you know buying that uh, dress or that shirt or that pair of shoes that you're only going to wear two or three times just seems rather frivolous I,
1: I agree I think um, it'll have an impact and for, for the better on fast fashion for instance uh, because that, that was that that was destroying a lot of things, both um, from an environmental perspective, from a life's perspective, but also I think, um, we all. you're right, uh, we all have looked inward to see how, where we're spending our money and going, actually, do I need this? Do, uh, and I had an interesting conversation with one of my neighbours, and she was saying she was always working towards her next holiday to get away, but since she's been forced to live at home and live within her community. She's got a new appreciation of the community. We've gotten to know the neighbours a lot better. And um, and she wants to spend more time here as opposed to now jetting, setting off somewhere else, not just because of the fear, but because she actually has decided that, that that's a good thing to do. Um, so I think we will all be changing our our. our our lives and structures and what i'm hoping though is we're going to break these silos where i, I believe there's these pillars of society uh, pillars of society in generally which is the community the legal the business and the finance but we've all seemed to work in silos and we overlap a little bit but nobody's really talking to each other and now i'm hoping that just generally we will start um as a whole society and business speak to one another and help change bring change forward and not and communicate
0: for the benefit of all really. I think the physical get together side of things, once it does return as well, will probably have a renewed sense of purpose. And I'm thinking about stuff that probably you and I went to and we went with maybe let's 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 just say um not full enthusiasm whether it's you know an evening do or a breakfast or some sort of symposium or things that you kind of have to go to but you know, it's not like you're charging in there like you're going to the beach on a hot summer's day. Um, I think those things will actually work really well in the future. People won't just be going through the motions; they'll actually be trying to get something out of it. And it's not just because they've not been able to have that physical contact for such a long time, but they'll realise that you know this is a good opportunity here. And if I put my shoulder to into it, I could actually really get something out of this. Yeah,
1: I, I agree with you. I think they'll look, look at it from a different perspective because um, we're going to be very time conscious of where we spend our time uh, because we've enjoyed our time being a little bit more at home. And I mean, I know some people are going to say, I can't wait to get back to work, but actually I think when they come back to work, they'll they'll want that balance back, um, so they'll choose the events very carefully and choose how they spend their time at that event because they're making a conscious decision on that time. Um, it's, it's really interesting actually because I was thinking about the turnaround space for, for our, our region. And I think hopefully a lot of the SMEs within the region will hopefully pick up on the brand that's made in Yorkshire or made in Britain because that will also help with that turnaround space Um, because if you start focusing on a brand that is bigger than your company but has value in it, um, and that's so sellable abroad, it really it really is um and it's just things like that that people really need to kind of pick into and pull through and hopefully work it sort
0: of weave it into to their products or services it's gonna have to feed into the culture isn't it as well i mean i've been getting inundated with interview uh requests or op-ed uh submissions um coming from the commercial property sector specifically offices and i think it's purely and simply because i think they're really worried that there's going to be a reduction in demand for for space because so many people have had a taste of working from home. I think especially if you're in the north, you face a pretty miserable commute in the main, you know, Um, and I'm sure you've had the conversations that I've had as well. A lot of people saying, I really don't want to spend two hours every day traveling in pretty cramped and um, expensive conditions um just essentially to go and sit in a different room to the one that's in my house um i I, I don't think that there's going to be a collapse in demand for office space i don't think everyone will work from home constantly but the the shift to agile working now is anyone that was opposed to any any employer is you know their arguments built on sand now isn't it you you absolutely need to offer it because we've proven over the last few months that we can operate as a as businesses pretty efficiently by doing that model
1: oh absolutely and i think so people like WeWorks and Spaces um, are, are going to see benefits from that. Yeah. Um, the landlords that have long leases, that 5-year, 10-year, 15-year leases, I think are going to struggle. Um, I count my blessings every day because actually at the um, end of 2018, I went paperless. And then in July last year, um, I was out of the uh, the, the lease property that I had and and we went into spaces um and we went for agile working and hot desking and and using a communal space and it it worked so much better but the employees at the time were happier so um and you're right we we, we've proved the fact that we can work from home and um and people just choose when to go into the office and you, you don't need that large space and if you want to meet the entire team you can just rent out a room a meeting room
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, how many times do you go into sort of big office buildings and you go into the meeting rooms and you think, I'm probably the only person that's going to come in here today. And it's got the fancy <laughs> coffee maker and the sort of personalised stationery and all the rest of it. And it, it you, you don't think of anything at the time, of course, but, you know, I'm thinking back on it now. It, it does seem like it belongs to very much last century. Yes, yeah, it
1: does. And and we've moved on we've moved on from... How we how we want to do business with one another, and how we how we want to meet and and, and speak to each other. But what I'm what I'm worried about um, is that our business is still speaking to one another at the moment um, because they're not able to go out and meet people physically and by speaking to other people are they just speaking to their regular people that they speak to and getting and maybe getting their vision or their fears confirmed because that's what everyone else is experiencing in their arena and actually what I I would like them to do is speak to other people and that's why it's important to bring and it's always hard to say you need to bring in an advisor at the time because you do the reason being is they give you a different viewpoint Um, and it's always important to think about how you can you can change things Um, but I do believe that we have such a good brand in Yorkshire and and, you know made in Yorkshire and made in Britain
0: that that is such a huge selling point for us as businesses. Well we've got a great opportunity haven't we to really kind of treat this as a a year zero in terms of how we approach uh, how we view ourselves as a nation and it's going to extend to everything I mean I'm absolutely convinced that the Roadmap to economic recovery and reconstruction lies in investment. I just think you can't austerity your way out of something like this. I just think that's a fool's end, and you need. I've been. This is how exciting my life is. I've been reading a lot of. um, uh, um, I've been reading a lot about the economic reconstruction that happened worldwide, but particularly in Britain after the Second World War. Um, and it's kind of a pattern that's repeated over and over again you know you borrow money and you spend it um, and that's the the way that you you get back to prosperity and you know there's a lot of money need spending in this part of the world for sure infrastructure and all the rest of it but cultural changes I'm banging on always in my, my columns and whenever I'm talking to people about the skills agenda we're we're not blessed in the north of England in terms of businesses being uh, high on productivity a lot of workers have quite low productivity and uh they maybe are not equipped with the skills to deal with the next fourth industrial revolution um as we kind of start to rebuild our way out of this this is the opportunity if you are in one of those jobs that you don't particularly like and your productivity isn't particularly high this is now the time where you can you can really make those changes and i think everyone's kind of doing that on an individual basis
1: i think there's a you're, you know you're spot on mark you know um it Investment is it's crucial. Uh, I don't want infrastructure to be cut because that's always, again, a quick one to do. I, I think we need to invest in infrastructure. And the more you invest in infrastructure, the more jobs you're going to be creating. We've already in the North had a skill shortage. Put my teeth in, skills shortage. Um, but hopefully this will push people to to develop and train and get their skills and it will push companies forward and that's why if they have a little bit of compassion about them and forward think a little bit they might go actually if we aim for x y or z and bring these people in and train them up we 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 might actually be able to take off and do something Um, and this is why i want everybody to speak to each other because then who can you what other businesses can you bring along with you um on that but yeah you're right We, we do need to um we do need to spend money. What was interesting, you said, um, you know, culturally, there's been significant changes, um, and I think you're you're right. And one of these cultural changes is actually something I'm going to be speaking about in my next article next week.
0: Um, Speak preview is, though. It's <laughs> uh, about um, uh,
1: women uh, in in particular. Not not necessarily just women, but it's it's focused on that, and it's that. Um, It's the diversity and inclusion, and people are forgetting how important that is when they're changing and trying to survive their company. But what's interesting is there's a a French word for it, and it's it's called mental capacity. But it's mental capacity, when you translate it, of the household. So where uh, people are saying, oh, well, you know, Say husbands, just as an example, saying I'm doing fifty percent of the childcare and helping people, um, they're actually maybe doing the execution of fifty percent, but the thinking and the planning, the project management of it all, is still coming from the woman. And the reason I say that is because how's that affecting the businesses, and how and why women are asking more, more time for furlough, um, because they 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 can't um, react. Um, so well to it with time that they have and the time pressures they have and so the question here is are is there going to be a certain part of our workforce that might go backwards in time um, if we're not careful and we don't f- provide okay encouragement and support for them so an example would be I know a lady who had her newborn baby in February just before the lockdown and the husband's working and he you know is of the mindset working from home so it's nine to five lock myself up and then I'll see you at six when actually he should be saying to the employer um, or an employer should have been asking who else have you got in the household do you need to take extra time or change your hours of work so you can help provide support at home um, and it's that it's that type of thing but culturally i think um it'd be interesting to see how businesses come out of this, this
0: space i've seen a great deal in my career the the vastly contrasting approaches to um uh, family life particularly when women when it comes to to parenthood i've been very i'm very lucky that my current employer and my current boss is uh, very progressive and forward-thinking and is, is very helpful in that regard but i i've you know personalize i've definitely seen um you know frankly women going off to have babies has been a huge inconvenience that the business is forced under duress to um to, to deal with and uh, yeah that 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 thinking i think it still does persist i mean this the, these kind of sentiments were expressed much earlier on in my career as opposed to now but i think it still is definitely kicking around and you know the fact remains that um if you do uh, have children the vast majority of the paternal care sorry the the the, the, the Actual initial stages where you're off looking after the baby is taken by the women, if not all of it, and then you've got that uh, childcare aspect when they're going to school. And again, women do tend to bear the brunt of that. And th- this is an area of the economy where flexible working could really kick into gear and come into its own because we're we're, we're losing out on that expertise and that uh, area of the workforce if we don't we don't give them the capacity to work as well as they could do.
1: I know, and I think we've, they've made so such good inroads, businesses. To bring uh, and when i say diversity i don't just mean the gender diversity here um but there is a risk um looking at the research that that could be lost and the loss is actually to the business the, the employers the, the the directors because they're going to lose those key skills the skills that they forget that are not so overtly um noted to them and i think that they would have recognized them hopefully um, while well, time's been off by those who have been delivering consistently.
0: I think it might also have an aspect as well. For I'm mean, I'm not giving the game away. I'm 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 of a certain age. I'm 39. I'll be 40 in a few months. And I think a lot of men my age, probably slightly younger, but definitely slightly older, will really get a sense from having this from the lockdown of working from home of just how much hard work it is looking after children yeah. while combining that with a career. So I'm hoping that the empathy aspect is actually going to change a little bit as well. Because it, if you just have the odd day off now and again with the kids, then it's a really nice day and it's a dawdling, you have lots of fun. But the, the sort of stark reality of day in, day out, looking after the children, right. it's a different prospect altogether. So I'm hoping that sort of there'll be a bit of a, a, a dawning of, uh, of realisation nationwide in terms of how we do this. Because um, the old way, frankly, is looking not fit for purpose already. And we're, we're only just starting to emerge from lockdown.
1: I know, and I think as we emerge from lockdown, we'll be changing how we operate from premises. We'll be changing um, how people are, are working in terms of the hours, consistently putting the hours in, but maybe not doing it nine to five, mm. um, and working partly from home. I think hopefully um, we, we, we can invest in skills and try and upskill some of our employees and um, For the region, and that will be really good because I think, I think there's a good future for us to have. We just need to know in what direction we're going, and it's hard. You know, let's take aviation for instance. Um, They don't know how many people are going to start flying again. Um, They're definitely going to be reduced on holidays. I don't think people are going to fly as much for work. People that have done, I know, uh, previously, have said actually we've done a lot over you know, Skype, Zoom, whatever it is, uh, video calls, we, we probably only need to go once a year now just to maintain a relationship, and
0: that's it. The aviation industry is going to change beyond recognition. You know, the, the cheap flights thing, I, I really worry about that sector of the economy because I think you're, you're, you're right. I think, you know, just flying off to X, Y, or Z with a budget airline from whichever airport is your, your nearest... Um, just for a weekend away, I think people are going to think twice about that. You know, the, the cost implications the airline industry's had to endure—they're not going to be able to offer, you know, flights to Southern Europe for less than a hundred pounds anymore. Um, I, I do wonder, on and with, with a degree of optimism, but also huge pessimism, simultaneously—if that's not an oxymoron, which it almost certainly is—that we're going <laughs> to we're going to go back to how flying used to be, which is when it was, you know, you'd only do it very infrequently and it was very expensive.
1: It was. And, um, you know, but there's benefits to that, I suppose. One is the benefit is to the environment instantly. But I think there's a benefit to us as individuals because I remember flying. I started flying in in, the 70s. That tells you how old I am. Um, And um, it was such a big event. We used to dress up for it to go to the airport because we're taking a flight. Um, And it was so much more enjoyable, while nowadays, we we just don't think twice about it, we just turn up, we just go and we land, and and then we get upset when we're 20 minutes late, you know, because we just want to get to our destination, Um, and there's less patience uh, nowadays, but I think it it will change, the travel will change, the industry will change, Um, but again, it, it just needs to know it is changing, but how... How can they approach that change in a different way, as opposed to simply saying um, less people are taking flights, so we're just going to have to increase costs? And this is what we're this is what we're about. Change the offer. Change how the planes are. Change how the setup is of the plane. Maybe have a look and see. Is there something new that you can offer?
0: I think you're definitely right on that score. I mean, let's be honest with you. Flying is not a nice way to travel these days, and it it really hasn't been a nice way to travel since the. Um, I, I think it really started to kick into gear when the sort of restrictions were put in place after 9-11 where it was, the, the security was much, much, much more tight. But the, the service really, really started to drop off. Yeah. And, you know, now flying is a totally unnecessary evil when you go on holiday. You know, you, you there's no other way of getting around it, but it's by far the least enjoyable bit. But I, I agree. I remember when you used to get on a plane that was an event, it still had that slightly sort of militaristic feel about it with everyone yes. wearing uniforms and everyone was very smart and it had like a really kind of formal... Uh, and sort of sober kind of feel to it, and you know you eat food with crockery, you know proper metal knives and forks oh, yeah. and plates. It was uh, it seemed to totally a bygone era. I don't miss the smoking on the planes. I'll say that much. Really? <laughs> smoking in the back only. Smoking in the back only, and it, it, it's even now you get on a plane and they've still got the ashtrays on the seats, which just shows how long the aircraft have been in, in service for. so they,
1: it's a huge opportunity you know you can you can have um maybe a restructure of your of your airlines and saying actually can we offer like um sort of a gold silver and bronze package yeah Um, but restructure the planes and say you have this option okay if you if you fancy going really like that budget airline that section of the plane is going to be like that but this is what you're going to get if you want and i'm not talking they're going to say well we offer that now you don't they really don't And, and i'm really saying think out the box and really go for a new service um, you, you, there will be a market for it but you, you just need to work out the pricing and, and the cost of what it's going to be to get you there
0: what's been the uh, the main lesson you think you've learned from from lockdown in terms of because when we were talking before we went on air as it were you, were, you you've got quite a few interesting things coming up and we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit but what do you feel that you've Kind of discovered about yourself during the lockdown period as a as a person and a business person. Um, as as a person,
1: I've I, I've probably explored a little bit more about me and what I enjoy. So what brings me joy, um, which is which is really good. So um, and that's probably I really enjoy um, writing. Um, so that that and and, and speaking. Whether it's doing podcast interviews or or what have you, I do enjoy that. Um, As a business person, what I really enjoy doing, and I, it it was helping businesses, and it's really being that true voice for business. Um, I became a lawyer for a reason, and that was because I was an advocate, and it was to be. You're an advocate for your client. You're the voice for your client to to get them uh, justice. I use the word justice. Um, in front of the courts, Um, it's and that was what I always wanted to do, was always help businesses to get their voices heard. So that's the bit that I've really enjoyed, whether it's um, negotiating a contract or helping with policy um, during COVID time with the IOD, and just um, being there to say, actually, this isn't going to work out. We need... We need you to think about directors that aren't self-employed and um, working through limited companies who aren't aren't able to access funding. Uh, what can you do for them? You know, you know, roll on bounce back loans and things like that. So it's um, yeah. So it's things like that that I've really enjoyed um, learning about myself, and I've missed reading. I didn't realise how much I missed reading. <laughs> This um, is really
0: good. I, I I've noticed with interest just looking on Amazon that this never happened prior to lockdown, but they're out of stock of certain books, which is <laughs> incredible. You know, it used to be no matter what you wanted, if if Amazon had it, they had it in stock, and that's just not been the case um, at the moment. I think a lot of people have been going down that route and using the time as productively as they can, I guess. And you know, obviously, reading is much better than just watching a box set. Um, Depends on the box set, of course. There's some pretty damn good ones, but um, yeah, I think just sort of again that consumer shift towards actually something that's a bit more meaningful and a little bit less throwaway is is definitely evident in all of our lives.
1: Yes, it, it, it really is, and it, you're right. Um, I've been very picky about my box sets that I've been watching, um, and I haven't I haven't defaulted to the TV as much, um, and I think we've all wanted to. It's not personal growth, I wouldn't say we've been determined to grow personally, I think it's more that we just wanted to be within ourselves, and reading allows that, maybe even doing a course on art or something like that, um, drawing, music, whatever it is, um, it just allows time for us, which I think we were in short supply of before.
0: Yeah, I think particularly people that have been placed on furlough, um, this is just anecdotally from my own life, just even people on my street that are on furlough, they are really kind of renewing their sense of purpose when it comes to their personal lives but also their careers the amount of people i'm speaking to are saying i've always wanted to do x y and z start out on my own do this i'm now definitely going to do it now's the time this is the opportunity but equally you know people that had you know violins or uh bassoons or guitars or whatever it might be that was sort of laying gathering dust in a cupboard somewhere suddenly those are coming out and people are reacquainting themselves with the, the joy of Playing music, and that's definitely true for people getting back into writing and painting as well. You know, it's 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 a very um, good exercise, I think, for your brain mentally to be able to do things like that.
1: Absolutely, I have to say, I put my hand up on one of those. I had a violin that I got from a secondhand shop, and I've been on YouTube trying <laughs> trying to learn.
0: I didn't know you could play the violin, so I'll, I'll, I'll... I can't right now properly, but I'm learning. So it was the first musical instrument I learned to play was the violin. I, I did it at primary school. And, um, oh, wow. And um, a violin's strings are the other way around to a guitar's. so the E string is the thinnest on a violin, whereas it's the thickest on a guitar. And when I started to play guitar, that was impossible for me to get my head around initially. Gosh, that, that, would, that would have
1: been interesting. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm only at the...
0: Scales of learning, I'm trying to learn bar bar black sheep at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> They're a nightmare to tune as well from memory. I know they stay in tune once you get them in tune quite a well, while, but I seem yeah. to remember tuning a violin was a torturous experience. <laughs> it was one. Of, it,
1: it, there you go, this was an impulsive buy. I, I, um, I was like, yeah, I you really want to learn a new musical instrument, and I saw this um, months ago in a second-hand shop. I just walked past, and I was like, violin, there we go. <laughs> And um, yes, I've been I've been trying
0: trying to do that. You never know. <laughs> I think we've had I more might put good things. Thing. <laughs> well, there's a YouTube video for everything. I've managed to accomplish many things in life with the help of YouTube videos that otherwise I'd never been able to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Do you want to talk to me a little bit about your uh, foray into the world of podcasting then? Because th- there's a couple of interesting things you're doing in this regard, and I'm quite ex- excited to see how they they pan out. Yes. Yeah, so- I'm um,
1: becoming a well not coming I am a podcaster so I've been podcasting for the IOD which is interviewing for the policy boys but I'm moving my own podcasts into the turnaround area and pivoting and speaking to those business people that are out there who will be helping uh, turnaround specialists and companies who are turning around, but then also from a, a personal perspective, I thought it'd be interesting because we're in COVID-19 times, we're, we're although we're slowly coming out of lockdown, we're still going to be in social distancing for quite some time, um, I, 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 at least a few more months. Um, and it's really difficult for single people, I think, sometimes, and how they date um, and what, how that looks. So I'm interviewing um, people that are single and writing blogs about it um, and giving their side of the story and actually saying actually how relationships are changing and how much more um, you, you find out about people and then there are some very very funny stories as well so it's, it's sli- slanted slightly a bit more to the positive and to give everybody a, a bit of relipping <laughs> from
0: it. What's the feedback been on the dating side of things? The reason I ask is, one thing I hope doesn't go away from lockdown, one of the few things I hope doesn't go away from lockdown, I love when I'm out walking around the streets to go to the shop or I'm out with the, the, the girls, how everyone's saying hello to each other and smiling at each other. It's it's brilliant. And I I, I really don't want this to go away. I, I really want, as a person, every time I go into a shop and I buy something, to say thank you and take care to the person that's just served me. And I, I, I'm just wondering if that positivity has been and sort of love towards our fellow uh, man and woman and, and, and inhabitant of this planet is, is kind of somehow seeping its way into that part of life, the dating thing? Are just people being generally nicer and more respectful to each other?
1: I think in the, in the main, the people have said that they have been, but I think it also depends on the generation. So I am interviewing people about 20, 30, 40, 50s, and I'm trying to find them older at the moment. Um and the twenties something it's changed a little bit, but it's it, it swings in roundabouts and it, and I think it's quite depends on the individual. But as you get slightly older, um it has changed a lot. Uh and people are a little bit more polite and, and and nicer about things. Um but uh you still get the stories of We were having a great conversation and telephone conversation and then he ghosted me or she ghosted me. So...
0: What does ghosted mean? Does it mean you just, sorry, I'm I'm showing how woefully out of touch with popular culture I'm, does ghosting mean that you just kind of disappear effectively?
1: Yes, they disappeared. Like, without any warning. (laughs) they just vanished.
0: God almighty. That can't be great (laughs) for your self-esteem at any time, let alone during lockdown. (laughs)
1: And you just think, what happened? Um, but I, overall, it's been very positive. And actually, I was very impressed with the apps. They all reacted very, very quickly as soon as lockdown happened. I mean, I'm talking within a week, 10 days, maximum 14. Um, they they had video calling um, available on the apps, which I thought was brilliant for that around uh, and for them to to do it. They obviously had the ability to do it before, but just
0: were debating whether to do it and, obviously, needs musts. It's been an interesting part of the economy and society that's emerged and um, is, is the dating app, isn't it? Because I'd, I'd say probably about 50% of weddings I go to, they met online uh, these days, and that's across a variety of age groups. But, you know, gone are the days of, you know, you uh, meeting people in, in restaurants and cafes and bars and stuff like that. That almost seems like, again, you know, talking about sort of relics of bygone eras, that almost seems to be that way you know this is just the way that people interact now and it's 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 interesting to hear how that sector's reacted to it there's a brilliant company in, in wakefield they're called single muslim.com lovely bloke that runs it really really good entrepreneur really bright young guy um and he set it up initially as you know as the the title of the company would suggest but it's now a, a worldwide phenomenon and it's based entirely on sort of respect and um Really, kind of treating people uh, for who they are, as opposed to what they look like. I I, I forget. I might be my apologies to the company if I'm getting this wrong, but I don't think you actually get to even look at photographs until you're quite far along the sort of interaction phase. And um, he he has all these lovely stories about how these he, his company essentially facilitated these marriages and families and relationships. It's a it's, in some in many respects, it's a lovely way to earn a living. It's, it's it is it's it's really
1: nice. That sounds absolutely lovely, and I think. Um... I think you're right, but also I think it, it, I think the people that are single are older because people have just left it a little bit later. So when we were in our 20s, we would be out in large groups anyway, meeting other people, meeting their friends. But as we get older and we're more work-orientated and spending a lot of time at that pre-COVID, travelling to work hours out of the office and then you're just meeting your core group of friends, it's harder to meet people. Yeah, of course. Um, And so the apps have provided a function which I think um, helps facilitate, and you're right, the the website you just mentioned, that that provides a perfect um, avenue to meet people where you wouldn't generally meet, but also then has a cultural understanding of how interaction would be with, 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 with the other person. Because they can't just go to a normal app because the other person's not going to understand necessarily the cultural um, implications of how they would like to be.
0: I should have said other dating apps are available. I'm not showing any <laughs> yes. favourites on this podcast. <laughs> Rashmi, as ever, it's great to talk to you. I think I um I should probably conclude the podcast by saying Rashmi doesn't only write for the Yorkshire Post, and I've I've known her long before I actually even uh, started to, uh, long before I asked her to start writing articles uh, for us. I remember so, Mark
1: when he was a rock
0: and roll star. Well, yeah. The, so I, for for the um, the issues of full disclosure, um, I used to be in a band with uh, Rashmi's ex-husband, and that's how we we met each other. And it's it's nice that our uh, paths have recrossed in this way. Um, I don't think we would probably have imagined it when we were at the Primrose or Joseph's as well all those years ago. That, <laughs> this would be some, we would be recording a podcast about the turnaround following a global pandemic. You know, over a, uh, <laughs> over a pint while we were just worried if we had enough people turning up for the gig. Well, this is it. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a couple of gigs where there was more people on the stage than there were in the audience. But hey, that's rock and roll. It was, yeah, it was the last band I was in, um, and I'm absolutely determined that once lockdown's emerged, I'm going to try and start another one.
1: Fantastic, that would be really good. Um, just for the record, for our listeners, uh, Mark was great on the, uh, on the guitar.
0: It really was. <laughs> there you go. Hopefully there's no evidence on YouTube so people don't try and debunk that. <laughs> <laughs> Really recommend that Grace be your manager I've, I've seen that that video Oh yeah, so again for the people who don't know what uh, we're, we're talking about here, my daughter is very much a budding YouTube star and she's been videoing me playing the guitar and saying tell everyone to subscribe, tell everyone to hit the thumbs up button, like there's some kind of hope of monetizing me sort of playing rudimentary riffs I'll, I'll be her lawyer for her and draft up the contracts though <laughs> okay, yeah, I think she's well suited to the digital world anyway. Rashmi, it's brilliant to talk to you, my friend, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you face to face and hopefully not too far away.
1: Me too. Thank you so much for your
0: time. You're welcome. Thanks for coming on. And there we go. Another episode of Taking Stock is Done. Um, I think you'll all agree, Rashmi is uh, pretty awesome person and we uh, we went through some really interesting stuff there. I really enjoyed that conversation and it's making me really look forward to um, hopefully being able to do these things face to face as soon as possible because um, I think we're all missing it, frankly. Um, listen, I really want everyone who tuned in and downloaded and went through this podcast to uh, let me know if they've got anything they want to add. Um, you can get me on mark.cassie, C-A-S-C-I, at jpimedia.co.uk at any stage or you can leave me a message on social media hugely grateful for you all listening to this um the podcast will return next week and we'll try and keep this going on a weekly basis but for now i hope you're staying safe staying well and i'm looking forward to speaking to you all soon thank you